war in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, folks, good afternoon. Right now it's 106. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380. And 99.9 FM, another um, actually very delightful day. It's uh, Wednesday, April 20th. And as far as uh, it is school vacation week, and so a lot of the uh, people, parents that have children that are home on, uh, or you're, you didn't go away, so you're around. At least you have some decent weather on this Wednesday. And actually, the week has been nice and uh, nice sunshine this afternoon, a little cool. Little cool temperatures in the fifties, but all in all, it's better. It's dry. It looks actually dry for the next couple of days. This portion of the John DePietro show, folks, it's brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop in and see them right now. And that's if you want to eat, stop in and see them in Lincoln. Or if you're in the northern part of the state, a little bit more north, you could stop in at Kays. Uh, either way. Delicious food, great service, tremendous quality. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. So I want to bring you up to speed on all the news of the day. I'm also seeing that this uh, Ashley Kalis, she is the Republican that's running for governor. She is new to the state. Last May, she bought a home in Newport. Her and her husband I guess they spent some time. She's from Massachusetts. I think that's helpful. So at least she's familiar with New England. They certainly have done very well for themselves. They um, they um, made quite a bit of money having the contract for the COVID testing in Rhode Island and other airports. But I've met with her. We'll have her on at some point. She is now unleashed. I... Uh, Revealed, I should say, a, um, a new television commercial. And we're finding out more. I played it last hour. I did put it on my Facebook page. I'm going to check and see um, what people think of it. But I want to also just check. Um, that's interesting. All right. Makes me want to vote for her. <laughs> um, oh, they, they're talking about the, uh, the rep that has the bags of weed. Um, let me just find, she has purchased a little over 100,000 of airtime in Rhode Island. First TV ads of the 22 campaign season. Separately gone on the attack against Rhode Island's political establishment. So that's uh, an interesting development. I think the fact that General Treasurer Seth Magaziner said that they were going to sell off. See, he just does anything for... He just does anything for headlines, Magaziner. Um, let's see. Ted Nisi also had this. I didn't realize that. Details on our opening ad buy. 60-second spot. A little long. Um, I, I'm meaning, you know, maybe initially, though, they wanted 60. You could do 30s. Spending 109000 It's going to run, wow, just one week, April 20th to 26th. Broadcast Cable Radio Regional Sports Network. So that is interesting where that money is uh, going. Um, Let me also just check something else. And then this is interesting that a former student and his father are taking school officials to court over the handling of the Aaron Thomas situation with the naked fat test scandal. You know, that is, um, again, that is really remarkable. I can't say I'm surprised the way that was handled in some ways is just the the um, kind of an example of how you don't want to handle a situation like that. But folks, the story that I want to play again, this is just outrageous. And that is what they're paying the correctional officers at the ACI. 
where some of them are making over 200,000, over 200,000 in overtime. Forget about their regular salary of 65,000, 70,000, um, making well over 100,000 and the amount of money, the ACI is once again on a path to earn, or excuse me, it's going to cost 30 million in overtime. That is a failure on behalf of the director at the ACI, corrections, and also the McKee people. Again, I want to play. This is the Brian Crandall of NBC10 iTeam report. Department of Corrections points to staffing shortages they claim are caused by a backlash against law enforcement in recent years. And an even bigger problem could be on the horizon as hundreds of officers could be about to retire. Behind the razor wire... And the walls is another workplace that is suffering from a lack of help. We are definitely short-staffed, and uh, we have some concerns that nobody's paying attention. The ACI is about 80 correctional officers short, and because of that, more are being forced to work added overtime shifts, told to stay even after their eight hours is done. Union boss Richard Ferruccio says it happened 4,000 times last year. Yeah, in my 38 years, it's- the worst I've seen. I mean, some of it was COVID-driven. A lot of it's driven because we're just short-staffed. Forced overtime shifts are not new and are a known part of taking the... You are listening to The John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk WNRI. updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional and she's been doing this work for 25 years contact karen etchells at innovast digital marketing she will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results she's local and responsive give karen a call for a free consultation at 401 321 2799 That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at com. NBC10, it's kind of too bad. They've kind of disbanded the I-team. Parker Gavigan left. He uh, now works for the city of Providence. Jim Terracani really started the I-team. The I-team basically kind of came into fruition when uh, Geraldo Rivera, at NBC, at uh, excuse me, ABC News in New York, really uh, started it, and um, it's um, and uh, the NBC I team, uh, you know, for many years they were very dominant as far as their investigative reports, but they, for different reasons, seemingly have kind of pulled the plug on that. Um, I want to give credit Channel Twelve, Tim White, they've done very good re- investigative reports on the pay at the prison. But what is missing from this report is what are correctional officers making right up the road at Walpole in Massachusetts? Uh, because I, I I highly doubt, I'll, I will find out, but I find it impossible to believe that they are maybe making, probably, they're probably making half of this. But again, this is the Channel 10 report. The hours is done. Union boss Richard Ferruccio says it happened 4,000 times last year. Yeah, in my 38 years, this is the worst I've seen. I mean, some of it was COVID-driven. A lot of it's driven because we're just short-staffed. Forced overtime shifts are not new and are a known part of taking the job. But there's a difference getting frozen in for emergency situation versus day-to-day operations, and that's what's happening right now. It's a morale issue. It's a, it's a, it's a family issue. 
you go to work on a Saturday, expect them to be able to come home Saturday night to your daughter's birthday, and you get frozen in. Usually the spouse isn't too happy that you're not there for it. We have some correctional officers that have daycare issues. I really commend them for Department of Corrections Director Patricia Coyne. What a joke. It's not something we like to do, and, and I know it's a real burden on the staff. You how, just try to have a light. How, how is this possible that this woman, and I don't know that much about her, Patricia Coyne Feig, Rhode Island Department of Corrections Director, how is it possible that she can't stay within her budget? That her budget will be exceeded $30 million in overtime? I, I just, uh, for the life of me, how is that possible? What other business would someone like this hold on to their job? I, I, I have a lot of questions about her remaining in that role for Governor McKee. That, this is absurd. $30 million in overtime. And this so it's not like it's exploding with population. If anything, there's less inmates. Think of that. Less inmates because of COVID. They let a lot of them go. It's they're obviously clearly not bringing in new correctional officers at the ACI. So the ones that are there can continue to make these ridiculous amounts of money. And yes, someone being a correctional officer. When you're supposed to be paid sixty-five thousand and making th- over three hundred thousand, that that is a failure of management. This woman should be removed. Outside of work, but the reality is it's a prison, and I, I can't just close the doors and tell everyone we'll be back in the morning. Behave. In the first nine months of the current fiscal year, the ACI has racked up more than twenty-three million dollars in overtime pay. That's on pace to top thirty million for the third year in a row. The two years before the pandemic saw slightly smaller overtime payouts. In recent years, correctional officers have popped up on the list of the state's highest paid employees. Officers regularly make more in overtime. Now, they, um, they have this, the records, NBC10 put up regular earnings, one officer, 59000 Now, NBC10 blocked out their names. I don't know why. This is all state money. They could reveal it. Overtime earnings, 93000 other earnings, five. They're all getting like five thousand. Total earnings, one hundred fifty-nine thousand. Annual salary is seventy-seven thousand. Another correctional officer, re- annual salary seventy-eight thousand. Overtime earnings ninety-four thousand. And then you get with some of the higher ones, re- annual salary seventy-eight thousand. Overtime earnings, 120000 Another person, total earnings, 195000 188000 185000 What are they supposed to make? They're supposed to make one person, annual salary at the hospital gets paid 100000 with overtime, 181000 Again, I'm going to come back to, is a smoke detector an important device? Yes. Would you, ha- would you buy one if it costs 10000 And I get some people are going to say, absolutely, it will save my life. That, that's, that's not reasonable. These are not reasonable salaries. There's a failure scam going on. At the state prison, surprise, surprise. And a big part of this has to do with Governor McKee wants the support of the Correctional Officers Union. Period. End of story. And that's his director. And this woman is willing to say whatever she's supposed to say. But this is there's there's no other. Never would this exist in the private sector. Never. And some of them, their internal earnings will be, uh, in their overtime earnings, will start to go close to 200000 Completely absurd. Then in regular salary, this fiscal year, some of... And some of them, where you, you start to see just how much they start to actually make in, in regular... In recent years, correctional officers have popped up on the list of the state's high... In regular salary. Now, in, in her 
This is 111,000 in overtime. Salary is 80,000. This should be that the one can't exceed the other. This is not a matter. Well, you know, we can't say everybody go home. We're close. No, but there's less inmates there. Regular salary. Less inmates. You know, it's not that tough. And I'm looking at some of the 136,000 in overtime. Fiscal year, some have already pulled in more than a hundred thousand in overtime alone. One officer closing in on two hundred thousand dollars in overtime with three months left to go. I almost feel like some people get offended by the fact that a correctional officer is making that much money, and I don't because they've earned that money. They came to work. They worked inside the prison. A smart move to, to be able to up the um, up the wages, um, up the working conditions, improve some of these things so that we can attract and, and retain more people. Because if they don't. You know, they're going to continue to pay the overtime. But Coin Fig does not think the staff shortages are all about the money. This is hard work, and it's shift work. And when you get hired, you are going to have Tuesdays and Wednesdays off. Listen, You're going to work third is, shift. You pro- this is a joke that this woman is trying to convince people that this is more money than police make. This is more money than fire makes. And it has nothing to do with the quality of work, the type of work. They are manipulating the system. That's what it comes down to. And for her, this is insulting. She is obviously a McKee appointee, and it's just that this is absurd. Then, then hire fifty new people, hire eighty new people. It would still be much less. Or here's the question: Is she saying that that should be whatever they make overall? Should that be their salary? I, I, I want to find out more about who this, this person is. Probably going to be ordered over a lot. Um, and you're not really going to see a weekend for a while. And not a lot of people are interested in that. Um, and it's a hard time anyway for they, law enforcement. They, right now. They're, they're purposely not hiring people. So the, the correctional officers that are there continue to make these huge sums of money. No, this is ridiculous. This is not an efficient use of money. All right, folks, this portion of the John DePietro show. Now, coming up this Saturday, it, it's it's right away, it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Stop in and see Marie. And I have a feeling we're going to be stopping by. But it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. They're going to be having a special energy uh, healing fair. And I do have information uh, about this on our uh, Facebook page, John DePietro Show, but it's happening this Saturday at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road of Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport uh, Restaurant. It's my health because it's your health. And this Saturday, you can stop by and they're going to be having a very special guest that is there. And it is someone that deals in... Um, Someone that deals specifically in, it, it has to do with healing, but it's a different type of, of healing. And so there's going to be all sorts of information about that. And folks, remember, it's all, you know, right now, everything, it's really all about that it is, it is a, a challenge right now where both you and your family you want to make sure that everybody is staying healthy. So it's happening this Saturday from 1 to 4. And it sounds like it's going to be a terrific event at It's My Health right there outside from 1 to 4. And they're going to bring its energy healing with Monique LaCroix, the energy healer. So it's a special energy healing health fair this Saturday coming up. From 1 to 4, It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Well, folks, good afternoon. Right now, as I said, local time, it's 125. And you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, today is Wednesday. And unless something changes, Governor McKee, once again, is not having a press briefing. And, you know, you have to wonder... What's going on? We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know um, as far as this this FBI probe. However, um, something that's an interesting dynamic with this is one of the key players 
one of the key players in this FBI probe is a guy by the name of Mike McGee, longtime advisor to Governor McKee, key figure. He's leaving the nonprofit Chiefs for Change to lead, lead this Minerva University. I mentioned this yesterday, and I think that's interesting. And you just wonder if that is somehow tied in with this FBI probe. So, and this ILO group that they formed, I'm not sure who else is going to do business with them since they now um, find themselves um, find themselves the subject of, as I said, this, this FBI probe. So there's something odd about that. Whenever you have um, something like that that happens, it's always... I, I go to, I watch when people start jumping off. And a lot of times, no, we don't know the situation with this, like this uh, Mike McGee. But many times, my experience has been when the people start jumping off, they could be the ones that are cooperating. Simply because they realize their life has changed. It's not going to be the same. They don't want to be part of this anymore. And... That has been my experience of one of the reasons why, and sometimes these people start um, jumping off and then taking other positions. So now again, I want to remind people, this whole FBI probe of Governor McKee, this is going to go on for quite some time. Um, I don't think people fully recognize how long these probes can last, but this is is not anything that's going to... It's certainly going to be going on between now and the primary. And what I've seen, and Governor McKee, when he was very short with the media, and he seemed very upset about it with the media, um, he seems frustrated by it. But this is interesting now where um, I, I, I just, I'm not sure what to make of that as of yet. But let's get to Channel 12 as a piece that this uh, a former student is now suing North Kingstown. Let me hear this. Former student was uh, mistreated by Thomas. He positioned himself so as to place his head within 12 to 15 inches of the boy's genitals. According uh, to the complaint while whoa. conducting these fat tests. Wow. Reporting Target 12 first reporting last fall, in fact, that uh, Coach Thomas for roughly two decades is accused of con- getting students behind closed doors naked and then conducting these fat tests on them, which many of them found made them uncomfortable. Um, The suit is the first to be filed, but it's not expected to be the last. This comes as Thomas is also facing an ongoing criminal investigation by Rhode Island Attorney General Peter Rona and the state police. That expected to wrap up with its conclusion sometime in the coming weeks. The U.S. Attorney's Office also pursuing a civil rights investigation, and local officials in North Kingstown have undertaken various reviews of what happened with Thomas and where it goes next. We're going to have much more on this tonight on 12 News starting at this went on for years. This was allowed to go on absolutely for years. You know what else, folks? And again, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM on this sunny Wednesday. I want to also play that a coalition of pediatricians and psychiatrists in Rhode Island have declared a state of emergency for a child and an adolescent mental health You know, the selfishness of the adults, the selfishness of the teachers unions, the selfishness of these public school teachers aided and abetted by other adults not to go back into the classroom. This is such a sad story and reflection of the damage that has been done. Listen to this. This is many of Rhode Island's youth struggle with the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks for joining us. I'm Kim Kalunian. I'm Mike Montecalvo. They're now calling on state leaders and policymakers to do more to help in this crisis. Well, news reporter Anita Buffoni spoke to a local school about how they're helping their students. She joins us now live with those details. Anita? Well, Kim and Mike, stress has taken a toll on children and a group of pediatricians say they've witnessed this firsthand at an alarming rate during the pandemic. Now, in East Providence, schools addressing this crisis by using more counselors and the use of a therapy dog for their students' needs. Even before the pandemic, there was a rise in youth suicides, depression, and anxiety. That's according to the Rhode Island chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. That situation has only been pushed into what's now being described as 
as an emergency. And so the pandemic has really made it very clear um, the weaknesses in our system, the access that children have to quality mental health services. Dr. Elizabeth Lang is one of many pediatricians calling on the state to do more to address the needs of Rhode Island's youth. That includes allocating more of the state's federal funding to pay for mental health clinicians and psychiatrists in doctor's offices. We are seeing every pediatrician and family physician in the state are seeing in our offices every single day children of all ages who are struggling um, with anxiety of going back to school, um, depression, they can't be with their friends or play the sports that they wanted to. The Gordon School in East Providence is taking steps to address this mental health crisis, including the use of Denver, a therapy dog. The Black Lab sits with groups of students to read or has one-on-one -on -one sessions with students when they need a break from the academic day. That on top of additional counselors and staff ready if a student is in need. I've been really fortunate to have faculty and to have a consulting psychologist who's been working with us, to have division directors in place who've been doing a lot of the student and family support. The emergency declaration issued Tuesday aims to get lawmakers' attention and find solutions to this issue. Now, when you I know, asked the governor's office about this, they said he submitted a budget to the General Assembly that supports these mental health resources, including outpatient services for Rhode Island's vulnerable youth. You know, Governor McKee did nothing to try to really get the kids back into school. And what I mean by that is, folks, we, we watched. And again, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show at 132. Those teachers unions led by Providence, led by that Randy Weingarten. You know, they absolutely, how about in Chicago, how devastating. Those children that were absolutely desperate to get back into the classroom. And they, they did not care. It all became about, you know, we want more money. It all became about the money. Nothing was about... You know, what it was like for some children to be stuck in their home during the pandemic and could not go to school and could not be with their friends, could not be seen by teachers. You know, and I, I remember, you know, Governor Raimondo saying the amount of child abuse was up. It is absolutely atrocious. And I come back to what did Governor McKee do? He gave the Providence Teachers Union Every teacher got a $3,000 bonus. For what? For staying home. For not going into the classroom and doing their job. Folks, there's been lack of adult leadership in the state. You know, look at the North Kingstown naked fat test situation. That is another example. Adults doing nothing as children were manipulated. A naked fat test. And you have the afternoon drive personality down the dial defending the guy, laughing about it. We would have laughed. Yeah, not everybody laughed. 12 inches away from the kid's unit and private area. Something wrong. Not, I repeat, not one person has come forward and defended the practice of getting these bo young boys naked in order to do the test not one he is supposedly this thomas self-taught but where are we that a member of the media pork boy down the dial good buddy with the governor laughing about it making light of it trying to give the guy cover basically if you don't allow parents and students that that happened to on the air to tell their stories because you're seemingly running cover for your friend. What, what, do you, what do you call that? Absolutely lending cover in a PR way and allowed to do it. Children have been absolutely under attack. And what's so sad is children who were really the least affected with COVID as far as the danger of it. You know, I think of the fall, August, and then the fall of 2020. Those teachers unions. I can't teach from the grave. Some of the progressives on the progressive left. Um, you know, how many kids is an acceptable number? How many children have to die? No children in Rhode Island died of COVID. But it wasn't about that. It's because they wanted more money. They wanted more money to go back to the classroom.
whole panic, fall of 2020, and then they needed a delay, then they needed another delay, and then they basically spent one month back and forth going to school, calling out sick. Everything, hear me out, at 136, what I'm going to tell you, it's not a Republican thing, it's not a Democrat thing. You know, the, the John Hopkins report that was released in May of 2019 which is three years ago now. What did Governor McKee do? He just signed and let the Providence teachers do whatever they want. Instead of the one time Alorza was right in his life about it was supposed to be a transformational contract. But the one thing that that John Hopkins report was accurate about was everything's adult centric. There was nothing that was a priority for the children. Children, you know, we've learned they didn't they were not being put in the hospital with covid Think of the, you know, dances canceled, sports canceled, children not being able to be in school. All of that canceled. It was all false. And the progressive left and the people that embraced it and continue to preach about it, really, really disgraceful. Children, in many ways, were impacted more by covid and I remember being at the press briefings where Governor Raimondo saying that it was a major problem. But she also, it was an adult with an agenda. What was her agenda? Be part of the Biden administration. So she let the teachers unions kind of walk all over her. To a degree, Governor McKee, what did he want to do? What was his agenda? Was it the best interest of the children? No, it was get elected. So he let the union contracts stay the way it was. Now, by the way, I want to be very clear. I, I'm well aware this is not just Providence, but they were the most ambitious out there, the most defiant. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show on this Wednesday, April 20th, is brought by Lawn Doctor, your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Early spring, spring lime, late spring, call Lawn Doctor today. Then you get the summer program that comes out, grub prevention, early fall, fall, late fall. Don't forget about ticks and mosquitoes. It's so simple. You can do one of two things. You can call them 401-392-1025 or very easy way, log on to their website, lawndoctor.com. And you just type in your zip code and get a quick, easy quote. Your best lawn ever guaranteed for your home or business. Contact Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island today. They're your lawn care company. Folks, I've been working with them. They are just the best. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by the Coesed Inn. Stop in and see them. 226 Coesed Avenue, West Warwick, whether it's lunch or dinner. A delicious meal. Also great Polish food. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. All right, I want to get to some of the other um, news of the day. It's, 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 um, it's maddening, though. It is adults in position of authority allowing our most vulnerable, most vulnerable, excuse me, to be victimized. And in Rhode Island, we really don't, we have a, a void of leadership. I mean, we, we just do. We have a huge void of leadership. We don't seemingly have anyone that really steps up on behalf of the children. And whether it be the North Kingstown situation, which is disgraceful, and they're all so afraid of their own shadow, and no one would step forward. And then you will also have, and how about North Kingstown hires the athletic director that was allowing the naked fat test. North Kingstown hires the athletic director from East Greenwich who was allowing uh, stuff to go on with the volleyball teams, with seemingly both coaches, but focused on the girls' coach. There's just been such a lack of leadership and people looking out for the the welfare that what is in the best interest of children and protecting you know with covid you had Cuomo in the decision even locally Dr. Scott 
to send, you know, people with with COVID back into the nursing homes when they obviously should have been quarantined and left away from the nursing homes. Um, and, 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 and what is Dr. Scott's punishment for that? She gets 46000 a month because Governor McKee didn't know how to handle the situation. You know, and I know that I ran into someone Friday night who said, oh, no, I, I support Governor McKee. He, he, he lets me stand in front of a group and play music and, and, and wave my handkerchief around. So I'm going to I think he'll be a good governor. What a joke. He'll be a good governor. And the mask mandate stuff, what a joke. The amount of problems they caused at the airports with families and children. The federal, it's been dropped. The Justice Department may appeal the decision. They, these people are tone deaf. Let me hear. This is a piece on the uh, Today Show this morning. Houston. NBC's Tom Costello outside Union Station in Washington, D.C. The Amtrak station there. Tom, good morning. Are you still seeing people mask up? Oh, absolutely. Savannah, good morning to you. You know, we see a shrinking number of cities really still requiring masks in these mass transit settings. But Washington, D.C. has dropped the mask mandate. Notably, New York City still requiring masks in public transit settings. But we've been talking to people in bus stations, train stations, airports nationwide, and many of them say this mask has kept them healthy for the past two years. They don't want to drop it yet. For better or worse, after 14 months of a federal transportation mask order, feel free to exercise your freedom this morning. This morning, the country is at a pandemic turning point. I prefer not to wear the mask uh, if, if I don't have to, so I'm glad that it's dropped. For millions of travelers, it's reason to celebrate. I think it's great, yeah. I think everyone's ready. It's about time. But others are worried about a new COVID variant spreading fast, with 2,600 deaths just last week. Coronavirus is really spreading, and I just feel safer around people with masks. In Houston, transit crews have removed their mask up to ride signs, while New York remains the largest city holdout, still requiring facial coverings on trains, buses, and taxis. Can we continue to encourage New Yorkers to wear a mask if they're in an environment where it's unknown uh, the status of the persons or individuals they are around? But nationally, Uber and Lyft are dropping the mask. I might still wear mine. You know, but if the passengers don't want to wear it, I'm not, you know, I'm okay with it. But the patchwork of changing rules is still causing confusion in some places. In Philadelphia, for example, you can fly on a plane unmasked, but in the airport terminal, mask goes back on. Take the subway or an Uber, mask can come off, but go grab dinner or do some shopping in the city, mask up again. A Trump-appointed federal judge struck down the federal mandate, ruling it exceeded the CDC's authority. The White House COVID response coordinator, Dr. Ashish Shah, tweeting, CDC scientists had asked for 15 days to make a more data-driven, durable decision. We should have given it to them. Health experts remain concerned about the immunocompromised and children under five who aren't yet vaccinated. Is this the type of precedence we want to set that the CDC can be undermined by a federal judge in Florida. Is that the type of precedence here? I think that is terrible precedence. Well, speaking of the legal precedence, uh, in order for anything to change, the Justice Department would have to appeal the ruling against the mask mandate. And the Justice Department is still up in the air about that. Yeah, Justice says it may appeal if the CDC wants to pursue the mask mandate. CDC so far isn't talking. Listen, Justice would likely not request a stay because the cat's out of the bag. People do not want to start masking up again. And the thinking is this is a political liability for the White House and the president. But they are concerned about precedent. If the CDC is not allowed to enact these types of health measures in the event of another pandemic, then that's something that they feel like they need to address now, appeal it now and try to establish a proper, in their view, a proper uh, working relationship through this. Yeah, rolling. Folks, I think, um, and again, good afternoon. Right now at 145, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I believe that the, the masks are, are basically in the draw until the fall. Now, I recognize right now someone is saying, well, I'm never wearing it again. Well, I, I get that. And, and I feel the same way that you do, but I also find 
that as we start to get into next fall, cold and flu season, the same way as you start to get into November, uh, as you get closer to Thanksgiving, as then you come into Christmas, it will spike up again. And that's when then people are going to have to just make their own health decisions. Those that don't want to get it will run the risk. There are people that don't get a flu shot. There are people who do not watch their weight. There are people who smoke. There are people that take dangerous drugs. There are people that drink too much. There are people that don't exercise. There are people who are obese. All I believe they can do is put the information out there and then people will make their own educated decisions on what they want to do. Folks, right now, this portion of our show is brought to you by R.E. Coogan and Hitting. It's Coogie. Give them a call today at 401-732-6562. 401-732-6562. Helpful, trustworthy, reliable. As Coog says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Wherever you can hear my voice, if you need problems with your plumbing, Heating, cooling, hot water tank, call R.E. Coogan Heating today, 401-732-6562. Whether you're in Smithfield or Johnston or Lincoln or Cumberland or anywhere, you can hear my voice. R.E. Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. Helpful, trustworthy, reliable. Plumbing, heating, cooling, hot water tank. As Kook says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. They are terrific. They are a growing business. And I can see why. And their website is recooganheating.com. And look for them on Facebook. Folks, as always, visit the website, dpetro.com, which is brought to you by Centerdale Revival. I was there on Friday night. I had a great meal. Nice crowd. Friendly crowd. Uh, they have live entertainment. They had a big birthday party going. Comfort food and cocktails at Centerdale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. And again, what's inter- was interesting to me was the crowd that was there. Years ago would have been the crowd that you may have seen uh, up on Federal Hill on a Friday night. But Providence still has a long way to go because of a lot of the uh, the violence that has continue to plague the city and the math on this super scam building it it just doesn't it it just doesn't add up um right now they're all on board and and i think the way they're going to approach this is almost you know trying to uh probably buy people off so be on guard for anything like that but i saw a uh, with a goal of 1500 rental units from this bond that Providence has, almost a $25 million bond. If Providence spends $10 million for 14 units on Superman, that leaves 9900 left for each of the 1486 units to be built. If Providence allocates $10 million towards Super Bowl for just 14 affordable rental units, there's no way the city will ever meet its goal of 1,500 new units. Affordable housing continues to be a problem. So Mike McGee, who is a big, um, he's involved with, the, he was the ILO group. And he was a good friend and also a big donor to Governor McKee. He has, um, he did an interview, how do you create chiefs for change? Uh, what are some of the lessons you're taking with you? Um, um Let's see. I want to just, I, I, I'm not even seeing in the interview that they even talked to him about this ILO group, which is interesting. So, it's, um, it says seven years founding CEO of Chiefs for Change. It doesn't even mention I, I mean, I don't know who did this interview. Um, Beth Hawkins. The, there's, there's no mention that this guy was 
is involved with the FBI probe. I, I have no idea how that is possible. How do you not mention that the person you just did a profile on um, is is the subject of this of a of a, you know of an FBI probe because of the work he did at this short-lived group that was obviously um, very, very favorable. I, I don't... How do you... I, I don't understand how you would not ask about that. When when the guy is neck deep in an FBI probe, uh, other than it, it was that part of the agreement to was that part of the whole agreement to do the interview? Where sometimes people do have certain conditions that they come down with. She's an award-winning national correspondent covering education based in Minneapolis. Does a full story on the guy that's the new head of this school. My latest, an exclusive 74 exit interview. Mike McGee talks about being Chiefs for Change first employee supporting K through Changemaker in his new role. <laughs> And, and no mention of the fact that that he is now the um, the subject of an FBI probe because of what happened with Governor McKee. That doesn't. Some people are criticizing Ashley Kalis has purchased her new amount of money for television. Hey, at least she's trying and she's trying to get the word out there. We say this, New York continues to enforce the mask mandate for public transit. <laughs> you know, someone sent me a um, message on Twitter that this new variant has basically become the common cold. And you know what else, though, is the whole thing with the mask, it's really become identity. It's really also become that there are some people that that has become part of their identity. It's also become part of politics. You're going to see, especially this fall, I'll say that this spring and certainly into the summer, a lot of the the masking, you'll see a slowdown in that. But you watch how much that that pops back up in the fall. And it will be, you'll be able to look at when they're going to show like a crowd and someone giving a political speech. You're going to be able to, just on the crowd, if they're wearing masks, it's, it's a Democrat. If there's no masks, then by and large, it'll most likely be a Republican. So how did it ever get to that? How did it ever get to that? Governor McKee is slightly more popular than President Biden in Rhode Island, according to a new poll. That doesn't sound that positive. You know, also, Jessica De La Cruz has dropped out of the Rhode Island congressional race. As as you know, I think you should know. Um, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't think that was a poor decision by her. Too many times people just stay in for whatever reason. But what is interesting is she endorsed Mayor Fung on the way out of the race. I'm not saying she had built up a tremendous amount of momentum in the race. It would have been an uphill climb against Mayor Fung simply because, you know, and for those that wonder about Mayor Fung, here's what we know. Three times elected Mayor Cranston. That's, that's saying something. Now, he's lost. He's run races where he's lost. He ran for mayor and lost. But then he came back. And ran and won three terms, 12 years Mayor Cranston. And in 2014, ran a competitive race against Gina Raimondo, won CD2. And then in 2018, 
he did again very well against her, but he was up against a very difficult candidate in Ramundo. So we'll see. The, the situation with Bob Lancia is I'm, I'm anxious to interview him, uh, rep, former Rep Bob Lancia, simply because he's being outraised, fundraised. According to a report that came out, he has 36,000. Mayor Fung, I think, has somewhere around 536,000. So he's being outspent more than 10 to 1. Um, but if you read petro.com where I, I do a slight, you know, short post on it, I just, I questioned how the party is unable to convince two individuals. I know that, it, as I've said in the past, this isn't a matter of if you have kids and then they yell shotgun, meaning who's going to ride in the front seat. Um, I know Representative Bob Lancia, as someone was explaining to me, he feels, hey, wait a minute. I said first that I was going to run for the seat. The question is, who can win the seat? Bob Lancia, who I believe we're going to talk to next week. He um, he he ran and won as a rep, but then he was defeated. Then he ran to be the party chair and was not selected. And he was a good soldier for the party. And he ran against Jim Langevin, Congressman Langevin, in 2020. And by all means, seemingly ran, you know, a decent race. Obviously lost. But he felt he was entitled to... A rematch this time around. But, you know, Langevin sees the writing on the wall. Langevin sees that the Republicans are going to take over Congress and has no interest in being part of that. So Langevin got 58% of the vote. I believe it was 154,000 votes. Bob Lancia got 41% of the vote. I'll round it up. He got 42% of the vote. 110,000. So Lancia Mayfield, this time around, all he needs to do is somehow get an additional 40,000 votes right around there, and he's in a good position. But here's the thing that if the, the if you're a Republican, if, if Bob Lancia can get 110,000 votes, how many could Alan Fung get? Folks, it's 159. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on this sunny Wednesday on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Stop in and see them. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious food, delicious drinks. They're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Coming up. We will have the 2 o'clock news, and then uh, I will be doing Facebook Live later on. Please visit the website, petro.com. Again, it's a very nice, sunny spring Wednesday. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. WNRI, Winsocket, W260DC. WNRI.